After Sean felt like he messed up everything positive in his life, he found himself overweight and facing 18 years in prison with a one-year-old son. But then God put people in his life to help him change his course and give him a second chance. Now he's remarried, reunited with his son, and he owns a gym. Come on, let's do a background check. Let's go! Have you or someone you know had your life turned upside down because of your past? Of course I have. Everyone does background checks now, which makes it hard to bounce back. What do you believe? I believe your background shouldn't hold you back. It it should pay you back. This podcast will inspire you, motivate you, and inform you with everything you need to rise above your past and and not be afraid to say, "Go, go ahead, check my background. My name is J. Dan Gum, and this is background check. You already know. Let's go. You can check my background. I'm a forgiving felon, so tell them that I won't back down now. You can bet I won't live in regret. It's time to earn some respect. You are tuning in to background check. Okay, everybody, welcome to background check podcast presented by Forgiven Felons, helping people with the past realize their future. You know, at Forgiven Felons, we have a couple of transitional houses for men coming out of prison. And we help them get back on their feet, find jobs, different things. We also go back into the prisons to share our story. Right now, we're in the process of opening up a resource center that's going to have vocational training, food, hygiene, clothes, recovery classes, financial literacy classes, and much more for everybody in the whole Metroplex coming out of prison. To find out more, uh, check it all out on our website, on our on our future plans page. You can also buy Forgiven Felons merchandise, and that helps us. Uh, you know, fund the ministry as well. So also Forgiven Felons has a documentary out that has just released a few weeks ago on Roku TV. So wherever you watch Roku on your TV, your phone, online, you can watch the Forgiven Felons documentary. Also, if you missed our appearance on the Huckabee Show, you can check that out on on our website, ForgivenFelons.org. Hey, if you'd like to be a sponsor of one of our episodes or even the whole show, just contact me and we can get that going today. All right, let's get started. Today's guest is just an amazing dude. He was facing 18 years in prison with no hope, a one-year-old son, and he was overweight. And I mean like 300 pounds overweight. But then one day he had an encounter with God, got back into physical shape and spiritual shape, and now he owns a gym with his wife, Christy. He's so tough, he runs in Spartan races, but as we find out in the interview, he's so humble and gentle as well. Sean, welcome to Background Check. Thanks, buddy. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Man, you know, uh, we have been following each other on social media now for a while. Yeah. And uh, by the way, everybody, Sean is the owner of um, Second Chance Fitness. And they own a Fit Body, fit body Boot Camp here in Mansfield. And uh, we'll have all the information for you guys on the show notes. But uh, um, hes you'll see in the picture... He's, he's, he's definitely in shape, and he's got a story of fitness as well as a spiritual journey that, that we're going to talk about today. But, Sean, just tell us, man, tell us, uh, first of all, how did you hear about us? I know you didn't know when you first heard about us that we had a podcast, but um, but tell everybody how you heard about Forgiven Felons and why you start following another sexy, bald-headed guy with a beard. Absolutely. It's actually a pretty funny story because um, the pastor that baptized me has been coming to our gym for a while i i fought with the whole like i was sprinkled as a kid and then but the water submersion baptism that i knew i needed to go through um and when i finally went through with it and they kind of saw the things i wanted to do with helping other people and 
And the pastor's wife was like, you've got to go follow this forgiven felons. The, the stuff that this guy's doing is awesome. His heart for helping people is awesome. And uh, I remember I followed you that day and I just continued to watch all the stuff that you were doing and it was just exciting. And I think I think I commented on a couple of things sometimes I, and you reached out and it was just like, just right away, I just felt like we had stuff in common that was interesting, you know? Well, one of the things that really impressed me or that caught my attention about you was just the name, the name, you know, your uh, Instagram handle is Second Chance Sean. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Right? So if you want to follow Sean on Instagram, Second Chance Sean, I don't know if you're on Facebook it's, or whatever. It's the other way around. It's Sean Second Sean Chance. Sean Second Chance. That's but right. Same thing. Um, and so just look him up on my on my Instagram and you'll find him. But uh, but you know, I guess, and I guess I got to find out who you're talking about because I mean I I know a lot of pastors, but I don't know if I know. Um, your pastors, what church? So it's not, it's, he actually comes, he, there are members here, uh, Shanika and Richard Scott. We actually attend living church, which is over here in Mansfield. Okay. Um, so there's not, there's not a correlation between where we attend, but, okay. but it's still, um, it's someone that I highly respect, you know, yeah. he's a good Christian. I knew That's that if awesome. they put me on the right track. I got to find out who they are. Yeah. I def- I'll give you the information. <laughs> so, uh, so man. Okay. So second chance fitness. You go by second chance, Sean, or Sean, second chance. So tell us about, I mean, have you only had one chance? Because, I mean, I had a ton of them. <laughs> no, I mean, I had a ton of them, too. And, the, and then when it says second chance, I don't think it's a literal second chance thing. It's more of like second through 100 chances. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it takes, that's just what it takes. So so tell us just a little bit of where you're from. Um, you know, where, where'd you grow up? You know, who's your favorite football team? You might you might uh, have some people tuning out once you say that, but that's okay. I'm used to it. I'm in Cowboy Country, and I'm a Steeler fan, so I'm used to people tuning out. Um, but just give us a little background of who you are, where you came from, and uh, for sure, know. absolutely. So um, I came up. I grew up in a military family. So my dad um, retired Navy, grew up in Virginia Beach, and then we moved to Philadelphia when he retired at about ten. Oh, I was ten and lived there till I was twenty two. 21 until we moved here um i pretty much from i started using drugs just to jump right into it at about 13 or 14 years old yeah. parents got divorced separated i just wanted to kind of like do my own thing and um it was kind of all downhill from there from 16 to 26 i pretty much messed up everything positive in my life you know what i had a full ride scholarship for soccer to penn state wow um, messed that up um, i joined the marines was in the marines for two years failed a drug test messed that up like it's all, I went to college for two years, joined a fraternity, got caught selling coke, got messed that up. So like, I just, you're an overachiever. I hit, I, it was definitely not my second chance. You know what I mean? But, but it was just, I continued to mess up all these things going yeah. through my life and I just couldn't get it right. And I had this hole that was inside of me and I continued to try to fill it with whether it was girls or money or drugs. And I could just never fill that hole. Right. And I mean, and you know what does. Yeah. And we'll yeah. get into that. I'm sure. But. Um, when I moved to Texas, I thought, Hey, I can just, my mom had lived here and I was like, Hey, I can just move to, I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan, by the way. I don't want to leave, I, I don't want to leave that out. Um, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I, thank I wouldn't want to leave that. And, uh, but I moved to Texas thinking, man, I can just get away from all this and start over and I'll be fine. Um, I learned the hard way that if you're not ready to change who you are and change as a person, you're going to find the exact same geography doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. Yeah. That whole moving away thing. It didn't work. So I moved down here and, uh, I just continued to get in trouble. Um, couldn't really get it together. So where's here? Where, where, when you moved here, where was it? Uh, Fort Worth, Texas. Okay. Fort Worth, Texas. And now it's more of an Arlington Mansfield. But at the time, 
it was Fort Worth. And it was just, it was, like I said, I just couldn't really get it together. So I ended up getting in trouble, um, sentenced to originally 13 and a half years. The first time I'd ever actually been in trouble by the law. Like first I had, time, first time, first lawbreaker and, yeah. and it's a federal offense. Federal offense. Yep. Because I was the guy that might connect or whatever you would say, the guy I was getting it from, um, was getting it straight from the cartels and they were being investigated by the DEA. So therefore it was just a, and it's crazy because they even said to me like afterwards, they were like, you're just in the wrong, you know, you're, you're just in the wrong place in wow. the wrong situation. You know what I mean? Like, so Most, if it wasn't that same scenario, you might have got a couple pro, years in state time. Or probably something. probation. Yeah, probation. Because what they did was they took, and I don't mean to get into because I don't like to glamorize the actual drug part of it, but yeah. what they did was they counted up everything that I bought from this guy over like a six-month period and charged me with, they call it ghost dope. So okay. they don't even have to have it in the feds. They just need someone saying that you bought wow, it. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. But, That's some crazy laws, man. Yeah. Crazy laws. Um, in, in Texas, we have what's called a party law. And so if you're with somebody and they kill somebody and you're with them, you're going to get charged for murder too. See, I didn't even know that. And it's called the party law. And they're trying to, I think they're trying to change it and overturn it to where, you know, the person that was there isn't, you know, you should still be held accountable, but, but I'm, I've never been in trouble with the feds, but it sounds like they have some kind of crazy, crazy laws themselves. There's a, yeah, there's a, it's definitely, they're a little stricter when it comes to like the way, you know, you can't have a felon can't testify against you in the state. Um, at least it'd be credible. Right. But in the, but it doesn't, all of that's really irrelevant. What I was doing was wrong. Yeah. You know what I mean? I always yeah, yeah, try yeah. to go back to that. Yeah. Um, the worst place for me to be in whatsoever is self pity. You know what I mean? Yeah. Feeling oh, sorry yeah. for myself. Cause I can talk myself into anything if I'm like feeling sorry for myself. And so let me ask you this, uh, 13 or so is when you first started trying drugs, right? Yeah. About 13. Um, did any of that have to do with, were you just acting out because of the divorce? Um, I mean, obviously we don't want to like blame any scenario or situation, but, but sometimes certain scenarios in life that play out can kind of push us to do other things. I still hold, um, like I wouldn't tell that to my parents or I wouldn't like blame my parents, but I still hold that in my heart as something that like caused me to go left. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it was more of an insecurity thing when I started and I can say this now openly, I wouldn't have admitted this back then, but when I started selling and using drugs, it kind of gave me a sense of like, especially selling, like being the man, that fake, right. that fake yeah, yeah. sense of the fake friends and the, the fake people waiting on you and so excited when you show up. And it's really pathetic, you know, yeah. that, but, oh, yeah. but it's, but it's, we, I mean, some of us like use that to like make ourselves feel better. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. I, I get it. I get it. So I try not to like, I, part of my story is that same type of thing, man. I try not to glamorize it, but I use it as like an ego boost, you know? Yeah. yeah. So you got in trouble, mm-hmm. you got 13 years and you got sent where? So we started off, uh, my pre-trial was here at the, uh, Fort Worth. Now it's a medical center, but it was just a Fort Worth low at the time. Um, I was really hoping that as soon as I got sentenced, they would just move me next door onto the main facility. But no, they sent me to Oakdale, Louisiana. Oh man. Yeah. To a medium. And then they sent me to Forest City, Arkansas. And then, uh, they sent me to Texarkana, Texas. So it was kind of, wow. I spent a few years at each place. And like I said earlier to you, man, it was literally the best thing that ever happened to me. So, okay. So we'll, we'll, piggyback on that the best thing that ever happened and then you also said earlier there's only one thing that could fill that hole yeah so let's get right into that at some point 
something happened in your life that caused you to see things differently, change the direction, think differently. What? So what was that? And for sure, where did you go from there? For sure. And this is what really gives me a heart for this. Um, when I was in pretrial, there was this guy and he's about to get out in a couple of years. I'll do anything in the world to help this guy. His name's Cody Mayfield. And if you're from Fort Worth and we're in to bad stuff, you know who he is. Um, I had never been to prison. I was not some hard gangster. You know what I mean? Right. Like I was, I wasn't at all. Like I was a, preppy still dressed like oh you know what I mean I wasn't yeah. I wasn't riding Harleys and <laughs> carrying guns so when I got down there when I got to Fort Worth he kind of took me under his wing now he's like a confirmed Aryan Brotherhood guy but he's not the first thing he did was put coffee and a bible in my hand wow you know what I mean like and um and he was like just stand on this word and I to me it didn't mean nothing at the time right, like right. I, I grew up in church and I thought that's what being a Christian was you went to church on Sunday you put on nice clothes and went to church you know wow. that that's oh, yeah. all that's yeah. all it meant to me um, and then as he was pressuring, when you see this guy who in the streets has this demeanor of like, people are scared if they hear this guy's around, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then to see him in prison and to see like, when they came back with my PSI that said 18 years, the first time was just the pre-sentencing paperwork because they throw everything at you, right. you know? So that's not what I got. But I went, I was able to go to this guy who's tatted from ears to toes and, and cry to him like dude, my son is one, like he, I can't even explain to you, but, and he just kept pouring into me, God, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. You know what I mean? Like this guy wasn't getting anything out of it. I didn't have any money to offer him. Like, you know what I mean? It wasn't like I was sending money to his mom so he would pamper me or something. You know, this guy just took the time to pour into me about God. And we were, so I kind of, in the beginning during pre-sentencing and stuff, like, I feel like I tried to use God a little bit. Like, yeah. God, if you'll just give me a two year sentence. Oh yeah. We pray those prayers, man. <laughs> I'll never we do it again. Those prayers. I know. Uh, I will never do it again. You know, God, just give me a two year sentence. And he didn't, uh, he ended up giving me 13 years and I couldn't really, I was like, so what, what is this God? Like where, where was this God that was, you know what to, you I know? call those prayers? I call them uh, the immature prayers. It's it's so what it is because I used to pray those too. And it was all yeah. about, it was all about if you do this for me, I'll do yeah. this for you. you that know? doesn't, God doesn't but work as we way. mature, yeah. you know, and we go through things. We don't make, we don't pray those same kind of prayers. Not at all. Like the opposite, you know, like God, what do you want for me? And actually what he gave me was exactly what I needed, especially when you hear the way that it kind of turned out the way he did end up blessing me multiple times. But at the time I needed that, like I needed to feel the way I felt like I had ruined my life and that, I mean, not saying that's a good thing to feel, but I needed to feel that like you need to fix this. You know what I mean? So I'm looking at 13 years doing 10. Um, They sent me to the first place. I'm like, okay, so I read my Bible. I did every Bible study. I prayed every single night and I didn't get what I wanted. I was like, so do I continue with this or am I just going to go start drinking hooch and smoking cigarettes in the bathroom? You know, I was kind of at a, yeah. a point like, which what which way do I want to go? But what I felt was even though I didn't get a light sentence, I've never felt the sort of peace that I felt for those six months sitting in waiting to find out what was going to happen with the rest of my life. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. Oh, Does that yeah. make sense? So I was like, I really liked the way I felt. Like, I, you know, I felt like God was t- like moving in me. I just didn't get the immediate blessing and, you know, I didn't fall down shaking and wake up, you know, home or so. (laughs) Um, so it was, it was, I decided to stick with it. You know, we went through that first place I went to, we went through some tough situations too, because we started a couple Bible studies that we weren't gonna, anyone who's been in prison knows that it's, uh, there's very racial, right? Like the whites stay with the whites, the blacks stay with the blacks. We were, 
there was a couple guys that had come from the same place where we were at in a Bible study here in Fort Worth. And we decided, hey, let's have, we're going to start a Bible study. And we weren't checking paperwork. We weren't, you know what I mean? So it kind of got me into some, some trouble there with some guys, but it ended up ending real fast. Like it yeah. wasn't, it really was nonsense. It was just a bunch of like making a scene. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, I know. I know. I got checked like that too yeah. by, by, uh, the woods. Yep. That's who it was too. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I'm, we're going to do this. I was like, we're going to, this is what I want to do. Like, I'm not going to sit there and let the, someone tell me how to run my life while I'm in prison. And I don't even respect the guy. You know what I mean? Like yep. you're, you're just like, I don't know. I told somebody, I said, the only people I'm going to allow tell me what to do in prison are the correction officers. Yeah, for real. So unless you unless you got a uniform on, don't come tell me yeah. what to do. And, and I try to act like, oh, I would. Listen, if those correction officers, when they tell you what to do, if you're not going to follow their directions, you're stupid. Like, yeah. oh, I, I mean, like, that's their job. And a lot of them, they get off on that. So you got to make sure that yeah. you're. So it was, a, it was a good situation. We stayed in our word. We stayed. Um, we we had Bible studies that were going good in prison. Like it really, I guess it, to to wrap that part of it up, instead of just I formed a relationship with Jesus, and that's yeah, what I had never had before. Good. You and grew that's, in the Lord. Yeah, like I didn't know I didn't know about the relational part of it. I thought you read the Bible, you went to church, and now you're a Christian. That's so good. I, the so way good. I the way I describe that to people when they ask me is because I grew up in church too, and I had the head knowledge, yeah. but I didn't have the heart. That's the connection. Is it, the heart. It didn't. It didn't. And that's where you build the relationship from. Exactly. You build the knowledge in your head. You build the relationship from your heart. And that's the way it was for me. And that yeah. sounds, like, sounds exactly. like that was your time where you began to pursue the relationship. For sure. So. And the more that I had Jesus in my heart and the more I was in relationship with him, the less that that's what filled that hole. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and it literally filled that hole. Like I don't today, I don't have the urge. And don't get me wrong. I haven't been perfect since I've come home. Like I've slipped up and I've drank before and I've made, I've made a couple of mistakes here and there yeah. in the past four years. Um, but very small mistakes and I've gotten right back on track, yeah. you know, yeah. because that's the key. It's, it's not just, about being perfect. It's about how you respond when you mess up. Yeah. And, and that's something I just like to say, because I don't want people to feel like, you know, that I have it all together now right. because yeah. it's still a struggle every day. is still a struggle with the background, you know? Um, well, anybody that tells me they have it all together, I run. <laughs> yeah, Cause cause I, first of all, that's the first lie that they tell me. I don't real. believe them because nobody has it all together. No. We're all trying. We're yeah. all, we're all, we all, you know, the guys in our transitional house, I tell them, look, it's not about if you mess up because, because you, you are going to mess up. Yeah. It's how you respond. You know, if you respond after you mess up by coming and say, Hey, I, I screwed up. I need some help. I'm not going to, I'm not going to ask you to leave the program, but if you're hiding it, and I, and I have to find out because of your behavior and all. It's a little different. It's way different. It's different than if you come to me and say, hey, I just got drunk last night and I don't want to do it. I screwed up or I, I, I relapsed on some, on some drugs. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it's all how you respond. Because in the, in the day, back in the day, I would hide everything. I would everything. be running from the police, running yep. from my friends, family. I would hide everything. And so it's true. Well, that's okay. So what was the next step at that unit? You, you were growing in the relationship. And yep. So I was also, um, I went into prison at 300 pounds. That's maybe a slight 300 pounds, maybe 280 something. I have pictures. Look, there's yeah. a picture right behind you. Actually, if you could look at those boobs. Oh, wow. Um, so <laughs> yeah. it was pretty crazy, right? So, um, I was like, look, I have nothing but time. To- Dude, that's like a different person. <laughs> don't I look, I look older in that picture. Don't I? Yes. Isn't that crazy? It makes me laugh still looking at it. I just didn't, 
<laughs> it's so funny. So I was like, look, I have all this time now. But you didn't blow up from the food in prison. You were already that. You were already at I that. Blew, I blew up from my six months on from arrest until pretrial. Okay. Or before I was yeah. sentenced, not sentenced, but pled guilty. So right. there's about four months. And from stop using methamphetamine in particular to going to prison. So four months of just eating pizza and cereal and feeling sorry for myself. And gotcha. So that's really where I blew up. Um, but I was like, look, I, I got to fix this because this is something I know how to fix. I played sports, right. so, you know. And as people started to notice, like, dang, bro, what are you doing? You know, and I was really big on intermittent fasting. Like, it's something that I still be, uh, believe in. Uh, I do 10 to 6, nothing before 10, nothing after 6, a ten, uh, 12, like eight-hour eating window. And I was working out every day, and people started to notice. So guys were, especially older gentlemen, would come up to me and be like, hey, Sean, like, what are you doing? Like, can you maybe help me? And I'm like, that's awesome. You know, like, this is cool. I can help you this way. I can. And, um, and then I met this doctor, like I was telling you about earlier, and we were kind of limited on what we could do because he had a uh, artificial hip. One leg was two inches shorter than the other. Wow. So we really had to like modify the movements and m mostly just work on his nutrition. Gotcha. But, um, he, he was like, look, Sean, he goes, um, cause I didn't have, my mom would make sure that I could buy my essentials, like yeah. my deodorant stuff, but my mom wasn't going to like here, here's a bunch of money while you're in prison. Have fun, exactly. you know? Um, so he actually offered to pay for any certifications that I was willing to take, like, uh, what do you call it when you're taking it proctored, like, through the right. prison? Proxy. Yeah. Not proxy. Yeah. yeah. So so I actually got five certifications uh, while I was in prison. He took while care of While you were in prison. Yeah. Wow. And I got a two-year associate's degree from East Arkansas Community College. So I was like, anything... So you weren't just sitting around doing time. Anything that was available... Anything that was available, I was trying to do. Like I was, we had nothing but time, yeah. and I wasn't going to come out with all these opportunities in the same situation that I went in if I could better myself. You Man, know, that's so good. I mean, it so really, good. it was. I like I said, and I'm going to keep saying it. Prison was the best thing that ever happened to me, and you have to have. It's a different. Like no, it wasn't. My son went from one to six years old. You know what I mean? Like, wow. And that was probably the hardest part about it was seeing him once a month. Yeah. In visitation. So when room. you first went in, he was one year old. He was, old. yeah. He had, it was seven wow. days before his first birthday. Man. So that was. That's tough. I didn't have any kids. I wasn't married. Um, I had I had a kid, but um, I wasn't I wasn't in his life yet. But I didn't have I didn't have a family that I had to focus on while I was in prison. So I can't imagine when when guys like you, my friend Zach, who uh, who went in. Uh, I think he said he went in like just before his twins were born. That's yeah, like I think he said ten days before they were born, and uh, and so when I hear guys like y'all talk about doing time, knowing your kids right here, I'm just like, man, it was hard, and it was really hard because I had to tell my wife at the time, thinking that I'm going into 13 years of incarceration, to move on. You know, like I love you, but this is just not. It, it's not fair to you. It's not fair to our son. Right. right. Um, that that was probably one of the hardest parts. And she did. You know, she, I mean, she said no, of course, at first. But a year or two goes by and, you know, what can you expect? You know, right. so that was really hard. But she was not fully able to, like, you know, completely, fully get her life together. Right. Um, so when I got home, I was actually, like, now I have full custody. He lives with me. Um which is really cool. So we've able, we've been able to like complete. He's ten now. Mm -hmm. We're together every day. We've been able to completely, and that's through the grace of God that that's yeah. been able. You know what I mean? Like yeah. our relationship is probably just as strong as if 
And now he knows everything about my past. I don't have to hide anything from him. Yeah. You know, we talk, we talk all the time about drugs and you know what I mean? His relationship with God, he just got baptized by choice. We waited for him to want to, you know? So it, it was a bad five years, but thanks to my mom who brought him, you know, once a, once a month to come see me, it's, it's, everything's great. You know what I mean? So it's not like a, there's no sad story there. That's good. It ended well. Yeah, it really did. So, all right. So you got your certifications and you're just growing in the Lord. Uh, what, what happened after that? Anything main, anything major happened after that? Um, so actually I kind of left this part out. This happened at the first prison. Um, they had, they put a gun on my case because they said when they actually caught me, that was just me in a vehicle and the drugs and money, there was no gun or anything. And they actually told me, get out of here. So they sent me on my way and I was like, Oh my God, I just got blessed. You know, like <laughs> I didn't even know if I said blessed, like I got so lucky yeah. I'm getting to go home. But really it was just a, you know, a waiting period for them to get all their facts together. Right. Um, when they finally did come and kick the door in, it was just me and my son. He was 10 months old or nine months old then. And there was a handgun in the house that was legally held. I, I was not a felon at the time, so I could have a gun. Um, well, that was dropped by the uh, by the court system because they said, you know, in the state of Texas, he had no drugs or money around it. Um, it's not a felony or not a charge, you know. So they right. dropped that, which was, uh, that took me from 13 to 9, which was, or 9 and a half, which was pretty cool. That was a huge difference, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that was like, I could see that the light at the end of the tunnel. Now I'm looking at doing 7 instead of 10 or seven and a half instead of 10. And then right after all my certifications, so right when I was getting, I was just about to complete my second year at East Arkansas Community College, um, Obama gave everybody those two points. Not everybody, but if you had just no violence, just drugs. I mean, it had to be, there was a lot of stipulations, but I met all of them. I remember when he did that. And so now I've never met anyone that that, that had benefited from that. So now... Uh, I get to meet somebody that benefited from that. It's really cool. Like it was totally unexpected. Um, like I said, it was more for like a disparity in sentencing thing, but it had to be, but it, the way it worked out, you know, it worked out great. And I mean, we touched on that a little bit earlier though, like with the whole disparities in sentencing, there is, there's definitely work to do there, but I think that, uh, he, he tried to make a little fix with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I, I'm not, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done in the judicial system, but and we'll talk about that as soon as we get through your story. <laughs> so that's about the time that they sent me to uh, Texarkana, Texas. And um, I was enrolled into called the RDAP program, which is, yeah. an, it's it, this is an intense. What's cool about the RDAP program in the feds is it's not just a drug program. It's a rational thinking program. And that's where my problems were. Right. My problem wasn't just drugs. My problem was the way I talked to myself about drugs or the way I talked to, my, talked to myself about situations or, you know what I mean? Yep. The way I justified selling drugs because I could do something good with the money. So I was like, oh, it's okay. I'm doing this. But yeah, look, I'm doing this or I'm just supporting my family or yep. just all the justifications, just all the lying to ourselves. And now after going through this rational thinking program, like I, I catch myself in the stuff all the time, like yeah, just trying to I justify bet. little stuff. I mean, it doesn't, you know, but it was, that was an amazing program. It was, it was like a year, nine months long and yeah. you got a year off your sentence right. for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was a really cool program that I'm really thankful for the counselors. They put a lot of work into the people. It's, it's a lot of counseling. It's a lot of, so I'm still seeing the fruits from that today from in my life, you know, just. Then how close are you now when you finished that program? How close were you to getting out at that point? 
I was I was one of the people that as soon as they, they the way my sense was set up as soon as I finished the program I was pretty much out the door. Okay. So now we're, um, this is year six. I finished that program, and uh, then I go to a halfway house in Fort Worth, okay. Avenue J in Fort Worth, right? Yeah, Volunteers of America. Yep, Volunteers yep, of I've America. I've actually been to that one. <laughs> so not not as a not as a yeah. resident, but I've oh I've, really I've been uh, uh, one of my other friends when I first got out. I met a friend, and he was in the process of. Of of working his sentence out through the courts, through the yeah. federal courts, and then he went and did I think three or four years. He was in the RDAP program. Yeah. So, um, and when he got out, he went to that that's same what, one that's over where there. He went. Yeah, that's and then we have another forgiven felon friend that lives over there on Avenue I. That's the next, uh, yeah. the next street over. So I would I would go I would go see both of them. You that's know, cool. At the same time, so I'm very familiar. That's cool. It's a it's a good program. I mean, it's really just you know work and sleep, which is really all you really should be doing right away. You know. Yeah. And did I, you stay the whole time, or did you were you able to get on the house arrest? I was lucky. I got to do. I did two months there, and then I spent the next uh, four months on house arrest in my mom's one bedroom apartment. <laughs> oh man. With me, my son, and my what, and my mom. So. Oh man. It was wow. tight, but. It was awesome. Like yeah. it was really good because they're calling all hours of the night. You know, hey, can I talk, talk to Sean? You know, they check to make sure you're there. Wow. And, but it was good. It was so you good went transition. from 18 that they offered at first, down to 13. Yep. Down to nine. Yep. Another two points off that to seven and a half. Seven and a half, and then the RDAP program knocked it down. So I mean. My goodness. And that's not something that happens very often. No, it like, doesn't. Like in the feds, when you get that time, you're doing that time. Like yeah. it's very rare to get time off. Yeah. So I had to deal with the whole like, um, I had a couple snitch comments like, how'd you get all this time off? I, man, I haven't left here. Like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I've been here the whole time. I don't know what's going on out there. But I, got, just, it. I got that stuff all the time too, because I moved from, uh, uh, I moved from a unit where I was working for the director of Texas Department of Criminal Justice. I mean, yeah. I was drinking his French vanilla coffee. He was offered it to me. I had a great job. And I got moved from there to another unit. But before I got to the other unit, I had to stay 30 days at this Walls unit here in Huntsville. Yeah. And it's horrible. Well, I found out later, and, and, and I didn't know why I got moved. I just said one day, all of a sudden, they said, pack your stuff, you're going to the Walls. And I'm there, and, but I'm assigned to the unit. And, uh, and, and so I wrote, I wrote the office I used to work at, yeah. I wrote the secretaries. I said, Hey, me and other, a few of the guys got here, transferred here, assigned here. We're not, we're not heavy. We're assigned. And, and we don't know that even the classification committee, they said, did you get in trouble? And I'm like, no, they said, where were you working? I said, well, I was working for the director. Like you must've gotten in trouble because there's no reason you would be assigned here. Yeah. So they wrote me back. The secretaries, the director wrote, wrote back. me That's back. Cool. Well, I'm sorry. They didn't write me back. They sent the captain on the unit to send me a message. That's the, the captain calls me out. And that was, that was when everybody was like, oh, why is the captain calling you out? Yeah. And, um, and it was the P&D, which stands for parole and discharge captain. And so I get over there and he's like, uh, offender gum, because I always want to make sure you know, you know your place. Offender yeah. gum, uh, I have a message from the director's office. And I'm like, this captain is giving me a message <laughs> That's pretty cool. from the director. He said... You're going, you're headed to the Lockhart work facility. You have to stay in transit here, but they didn't want to keep you in transit. They wanted to assign you so you, your stay would be okay. And oh, when I got to the Lockhart work facility, which was a unit, the only unit in Texas where you can work at one or two facilities inside the, inside the prison walls, and they pay you a regularly hourly, free world hourly rate. So wow. back then in 2004, 
I was making six dollars an hour. That's huge. Out here in the world, minimum wage was like five five fifty. You know how much so, we were making in federal prison? <laughs> Thirty cents an hour. <laughs> so, but when I got there, when I got there, I start hearing the, the everybody talking, and they were like, uh, "Yeah, staying at the walls, man. That was hell." And I'm like, "What do you mean?" They said, "Well, everybody that comes here had to stay in transit." And I said, yeah, it wasn't that bad for me. He goes, what do you mean? He's like, you can't, you can't go anywhere. You can't go to commissary, wreck. You're locked down 23 hours a day. I'm like, no, I wouldn't. And they're like, well, what, what's, what's going on with you? They just started. To and then I realized the favor that God had, had yeah. given me. But then when we get to that, that lock our work facility, there were six of us, five of them got sent to. They the, were the, on the, the trap. Like. The, the, they were on with us, but they, their, their jobs were the, on the factory assembly line in the hot warehouse. I got sent straight to what they call the drill room. There was only like seven or eight guys in there instead of hundreds. And the drill room was air conditioned. It was in the middle of summer. And so everybody was like, you are snitching, you are something. You gotta be doing something because you're getting everything totally different than we are. That's so funny. So so I get that, I get that, man. That's, that's the, unfortunately that's the, I don't know if you were the same way when you were selling the drugs and all that, but everywhere I went, I was so clean cut. They all thought I was an undercover cop. I got that Wherever I went, man, it did not matter. Whether it was it's jail, funny. even when I was in jail, they thought I was an undercover cop. And it's so, funny you say that because I did too. Because no one, that was one thing that actually was not good, but as I look back, is no one ever knew that I used drugs. Yeah. Like it wasn't like you could see me and I was like, my jaw was growing crazy or nothing. Like no one ever knew that I used drugs because I always kept my, you know, nice right, clothes. Right, like, yeah. And I was, so I, I did have to deal with that a few times, but it's just part of it. Everyone's so paranoid in that world. That so, so you're out now. Uh, you're at home. So we're and at, then what, what, what's next? What's so your plan? What are you doing? So while I was at the halfway house, my mom was working out this gym called Fit Body Boot Camp. Right? Okay. And it was in West Fort Worth. And uh, the owner, a black guy, Freddie Jenkins, he's been like a huge spiritual mentor of mine. Like still to this day, we talk for hours on like... A great Christian man who actually walks the walk. He's all about it. He uh, he was like, man, I would. He goes, you were in prison. I was like, I, my mom was like, hey, go up here and see if you can get a job. And he was like, you were in prison. I was like, yeah, I spent six years to kind of explain everything, showed him all my certifications, and he was like, the best pr- trainers I ever get are out of prison. He goes, you know, I did time too. So wow, so right cool. away he hired me. Um, my goal, I know this sounds pretty bad, but in prison, my goal was like, man, if I can just get out and make twelve dollars and fifty cents an hour. That doesn't like, sound bad. That, 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 that was my goal. Like, I'm talking not my immediate goal. That was like my life goal. <laughs> I was that down about like what I, what my potential was yeah, yeah, yeah. in the world now after this situation. And I was like, if I could just make $12.50 now, I can make like $600 a week or $500 a week if I work. I can get an apartment, an efficiency apartment. Like I was, you know what I mean? Yeah. I oh, had yeah. totally just dropped all my standards for like what, you know what I mean? So I'm, I'm working there. The story, I, I could go on and on about this. I'm working there for about three months, two months. And then, then there's this little girl that work, that's working out there. She's a member there. And I was like, man, this little girl's cute. You know, we kind of talk. I find her on Facebook and friend her on Facebook. And uh, come to find out, because some pictures, we were going to the same church, just different services. At the time, we were going to fellowship out on 7th Street, Ed Young's. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. One Fort the, Worth campus, yeah. Fort Worth campus, yeah. And... Um, so we start talking, we start, you know, kind of dating and she comes and hangs out with me on home confinement at my mom's house every day. I can't do anything. <laughs> so I was like, man, this girl's legit. Like she's yeah. going to come sit on my mom's couch with me for hours and just hang out, you know? So, you know, nine months later, 
I mean, we did everything right. I like to brag on this, not because me, but for God's favor is that, you know, we waited to have sex and we, we did everything like the way that we wanted to live. Yeah. And, um, and she was like, Sean, why don't we open our own fit body camp?" And I was, and I started laughing at her. I was like, Christy, I have $17 to my name, like a 498 credit score and $17 to my name. Ooh, like you had me beat when I got, <laughs> I had at least 500 when I got out of prison. So I'm like, I'm like, um, I mean, babe, it's awesome. I love that you, you know, think that we could do it. I just, and I left it alone. Yeah. I never thought to bring it up again. I wasn't going to, I didn't know her finances like that. I knew she did well, but you know, another month or two goes by and she's like, remember how I was talking about opening that gym? She's like, let's do it. And I, and I still was like, Christy, like, and she's like, I, I have the money. Like I'll put the money up and we can do this. And, um, that's three and a half years ago. Wow. And the gym's been going strong. I mean, these last this coronavirus thing has kind of yeah messed us up a little bit. But now, now that you're open, have you seen a little? I mean, it's obviously not full force yet, but it's a it has not. It's it's going to be a struggle. It's yeah. going to be a struggle. Like it is, and it's going to be. But we're not going to give up. Like the people. I mean, my wife does Bible studies on at eight o'clock in the morning. We have a, a bunch of men's groups that we do with Bible studies here, and there's, there's so many awesome things going on. You know that the Lord is doing here in our gym. Yeah that it would it's gonna bounce back like awesome. the devil doesn't want this place to be you no. know what i mean like, yeah yeah well it's part of your story and the devil wants to do whatever he can to destroy our stories exactly and and like i said earlier and i would probably repeat this two more times because i think that this can help people is self-pity when i'm sitting at home over these past two months with this coronavirus thing going on i'm sitting at home feeling sorry for myself like this isn't fair we're closed the government you know it's all that does is put me in a state of, takes me out of a state of worship right, for one right. and makes everything I'm thinking about, about me and the devil's winning. Like he's trying, you know, so I really have to just kind of remind myself all the time. I mean, cause it's quick for me to fall into that self. Oh yeah. It's easy. That's easy. If he can get us there, yeah, he can keep us there for a while. And that's a bad place to be. Very bad. Yeah. Very bad. So, uh, so let me ask you this, man, looking back see where you are now looking back. If you had the opportunity to do it all over again, is there something you would change? And if so, and if or if not, why? What? How far back can I go? Where is this? <laughs> where, where does this? Um, where does this change start? Are we talking back to like high school? Or are we talking? Sure, like, sure. Well, yeah, let's go back to high school. I think that I would have followed. My grandmother was. She lived. She was an awesome Christian, and she was always pouring into us. And I just never really took her very seriously. You know, it was like, oh, we love you, Grandma. Just yeah, go yeah. read your Bible. You know, yeah. like we didn't take her serious. I think that if I could have formed the relationship with Jesus earlier, then that could have taken away my need for social buildup or, right. you know what I mean? My right. need for getting my, what I felt about myself from what other people felt about me. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And don't get me wrong. Just because I have the Lord now, I still struggle with. Um, what other people think about me. You know what right. I mean? Like whether yeah. it's me buying shoes that I can't afford because I want someone to look at me like I'm cooler than I am or if it's putting rims on my car because I want someone to look at me. You know what I mean? Yep. I oh. still struggle with all these things that are not me putting my, you know. Yeah. I think we all struggle a little bit with those, you know. Uh, it's just different. You know, I don't mind wearing $10 shoes from Walmart. I don't care what people think about my shoes, but there's, I care what they think about the size of my arms. You know, I care what they think about, you know, something else, yeah. you know. Uh, so I think it's just, everybody struggles we with all have that. Our, yeah. yeah. Everybody's just different, you know. Yeah. Um, so, well, man, what, what? But if, when we go back to the prison part of it, where you were like, if you were changing anything with prison, yeah. like, 
I don't, I don't think I would. Like, I really do. I think that I, and it was just because God gave me the opportunities. Like yeah. he was like, like there's everyone in prison has the same opportunities, maybe not financially, you know, like I wouldn't have been able to afford these, uh, all certifications. these certifications. Yeah. Like I, there's no way, but now I'm able to help people because of, you know, just the, where God put me, you know what I mean? And just being willing to being opened up to helping this guy who I didn't realize at first this guy had anything. I didn't yeah. know what his past was, who he was, you know, nothing. And he came to me and asked me if I would help him out. And the fact that I was willing to before he offered anything before, right. you know what I mean? Well, what you did was you put yourself in position for favor. And, that's, and, that's and a it. lot of people don't get that. They want the favor without positioning themselves for it. That's awesome. They want the favor without putting in the work yeah. that comes with positioning yourself for the favor. That's and, awesome. And, and I, you know, I get it. You know, guys get out of prison and they're like, this is what I want to do. I want to, I want to do a transitional house. Yeah. I want to have this. I'm like, well, you got to be willing to put in, there's put a, in the work. There's a lot of work that goes into that. And you got to be willing to have thick skin and put up with crap. I said, I've been called every name in the book. I've been called more names with, with the running this transitional house than whenever I was in prison and wouldn't fight. I believe it. You know, and yeah. you know how people in prison get called oh, all yeah. kinds of stuff if they don't fight. Absolutely. You know, and I just determined I didn't care. I didn't care what they called me in prison. I wasn't going to fight. Um, so what's what's been the hardest part since being out of prison? Your challenges like in society, not 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 spiritual. I mean, obviously yeah. we know all we share some of the same spiritual challenges probably, but just in society, what's been some of the? I think some of the hardest things are one mistake that I made. Um, probably my first year out was thinking that, oh, I've got it figured out. And then I wanted to go back into the old situations of where I was and kind of the look at me now thing. Yeah. And, uh, that was not a good idea. I put yeah. myself into a position that I shouldn't have been in gotcha. and, and actually did kind of trip and fall there. Um, but it was luckily I had all the tools in place to reach out to my pastor, reach out to my take my wife let's babe let's go to counseling together i didn't there was no like anything wrong with our marriage in it but right. it was just i know that i need to be open with my wife about any sort of stumblings or mishaps that it could happen because so if, transparency and honesty transparency is, is huge. huge because if i try to keep anything like that bottled up my uh i have my conscience will just eat me apart yeah you know what i mean and then i i know how to hide my conscience you know we all know how to hide our conscience but it's not that's not what we need to be doing you know so I would think just more, um, it, that's probably what it was. Just, just avoiding those old places. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I know they tell us in what people, places and things, you know, stay away from the old people, places and things. And, and it's legit. It, Have it, you it, had any, uh, situations come up where you didn't realize being a felon would hurt you or hinder you or prohibit you? Like, let me give you an example. Absolutely. When I first got out of prison, my dad died a year a year after I got out, and so that caused my mom to be thinking about her own will. Yeah, you know, and so as she's putting together her will, she lists me as the executor of her will to execute her yeah. will when she dies. And the lawyer came to her and said, "Miss Gum, you can't have Jade Ann as an executor of your will." And she said, "Why not?" And he said, "Because he's a felon. Really, felons cannot execute wills." And and I didn't even know that. And um, so I'm wondering if. Have you ran into anything since you've been out? I have. That 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 you were like, whoa! That I didn't even think of that. Yes. So, especially these past couple months, um, with this all the SBA stuff going on in yep. the small business, um, when we had to 
do all these applications like to get these like payment protection loans yep. and payment protection grants. You know, it didn't even cross my mind that I maybe I shouldn't be the one doing them in my name. It didn't even I didn't even think of it. But sure enough, we come down to the last the page. The very last. <laughs> it's at the last. Because I'm looking at it, and then I see it at the last, and I'm like, I mean, I'm already way out, way past yeah. the thing, but I'm yeah. like, wait a minute. What about business owners it's the, that yeah. are felons that are recently out? Man, it's they, crazy. they're disqualified. It's the last. It's the very last button that you click. So you make it all the way through. Now, I was... Uh, it, and it, the crazy thing is it already submits 75% of the application before you get to that point. Yeah. Or else I would have backtracked, backtracked, backtracked and done it all in my wife's name. Right, right. But had already submitted. So now it's just this last random question that's by himself and says, have you been convicted of a crime in the past? I want to say it was five. It was five, yeah. Five yeah. years. Now, my conviction was in 2010. Yeah. So, yeah, my conviction was in 2010. So I just went ahead. I mean, luckily... We went through and we got it. Yeah. But still, like the fear and the way that oh, I yeah. felt for those, like waiting for an approval on those, was terrifying. Like, oh my God, there's this is still hanging over my head. You know, it did like, not even affect me, but I still felt like I got yes, punched in the gut exactly. when I read that. Because yeah. I mean, I felt for all my friends that I already knew yeah. that this was going to affect, and I was just like, oh my gosh, it's you know, crazy. when does it stop? When does it stop? I mean, it's it's tough, and that I felt the same way. I felt like, man, I ruined this for my wife. Now my wife's not going to get this. Now we're going to be really struggling. Yeah, to, yeah, fear. But luckily, anxiety. it all it, it went through okay. So what what needs to happen in the federal prison system? I, I can sit here and tell you what's wrong with the state yeah. state prison system, judicial. Uh, prison and parole systems, but uh, I don't know anything about a federal. So, in your in your opinion, you were the benefit of, of of some commuting of your sentence, but obviously not everything's perfect in the federal judicial, yeah, in, in prison and parole system. So, what what do you think in your eyes needs to needs to happen? What changes need to be made? So, one of the main ones that I look at, and this doesn't really even affect me. It's just from being in there and seeing it for for a few years was they wrote these sentencing guidelines that is kind of like a, if you did this, check the box, two more points. If you did this, check the box. Or if you had this amount, check this box. And then at the end, they add up all the boxes and that's like what you're looking at as far as a PSI, okay? Right. Now, the way the sentencing guidelines were written, different drugs, and again, I don't really like to play too much into the, the race card on this thing, right. but different drugs that are proportionally found in different demographics yes, yes. are holding and like I said this didn't affect me I didn't get the bad side of this but crack for instance right. yeah. there was a guy who there was four of them four black males that were in there on an eight ball of crack cocaine okay and they all got 10 years wow on a conspiracy right four wow. of them 10 years just because they called it a conspiracy now I got caught, they called 2.6 pounds. You know the difference between 3.5 oh, yeah. 3. Yeah. grams and 2. Yep. And I got, you know, 13 years or something. But it, it's just, there's some things that need to be fixed that just proportionally, that they, they don't match up between. Right. And I'm not like sitting here trying to say, you know. And a lot of people I mean, don't understand that, you know. I mean, they really don't. I mean, we could say you do, don't do do the crime if you don't want to do the time all day. But if you don't, if you're not on this side of it and you don't see the racial disparity, disparity in, in every level of it's, the, it's bad. the system, uh, state and federal, uh, you, you don't see it. So you don't understand it. Yeah. And, uh, but I agree. I think, and I don't, how do you fix it? And, and that's a good question is, I don't know, rewrite the entire sentencing guidelines and you can't pick because 
which drug is necessarily worse than another. Now, you can, I'm saying, obviously marijuana is not going to hold the same case. As, right. But when you have methamphetamine and crack cocaine that are both, I mean, how do you pick which is right. worse there? Right. The ju- this, whoever wrote the sentencing guidelines in the 80s gets to say that crack holds triple the time. I, I just think they need to rewrite it. Yeah. Um, and I think that that would make a huge difference. I also think that, so in the federal system, there is no probation. Well, there is no probation before your chance of going to prison. Okay. So in the state, uh, you can get probation. You can be on felony probation and not avoid, ever go to prison. Exactly. Yeah. To avoid going to prison. In the feds, if you get a charge, you're going to prison. No and what. then you're doing probation when you get out. Gotcha. So probation comes after. So that's kind of backwards. So they need to, they need to be able to offer, because some of these crimes especially first time offenses, smaller things that they try to blow up into bigger things. Yes. Like that probably wasn't no conspiracy happened no. with those guys. It's no just way. four individuals probably partying and I mean I don't know how many guys I partied with with way more than way more, you. right? That's what I mean. I'm like these guys, this is really sad. I've seen their paperwork. Like I knew all of them, they were all in the same place. Wow. It was just it just clearly was a like some prosecutor or someone was just trying to throw as much crap against the wall as he could yeah. and see what would stick. Not like, yeah. hey, is this really those guys need to rehab? Yeah, you know what I mean, and that's something. And that's the thing I don't. I, I think is state or federal. I think we're more punitive than we are rehabilitative. Yeah, and in, in this on the state level, everything that's truly rehabilitative is all volunteers going in. Yeah, if you take away all the volunteers that are 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 giving of their time, their heart, and everything, and some of their money into the prison systems in Texas. Uh, take away all them, you're pretty much zero, nothing, zero yeah. rehabilitativeness in uh, in the prison system, and I think that needs to change. You One, know, one hundred percent, because you can punish people all you want, but if you don't teach them a different way, they don't. You know, that, what do they come home to? Yeah. The, I mean, the same sort of situations. Yeah. And now with a felony, now with the past five years of zero job history, now with you know what I mean, like. The thing I, I think, too, let me, I don't know if it is with the federal, uh, I know with the state, I feel like no matter how well somebody rehabilitates in prison, when they get out on parole, it's almost like they committed the whole crime again. Because now and you're they, having to... And, they're lo- and the pro- parole officer is looking at them like they just committed the crime. Yeah, And, they, and you're true. the worst criminal in the world, and we got to lock you, we got to put this ankle monitor on you, we got to do this, you can't do this, you can't do that. And I feel like they have to relive the crime. I, that's one hundred percent true. And I don't know if federal's like that. Well, especially I, when you first get out um, and you're trying to go find a job, for yeah. instance. When I before I even got that job at the gym training, I went. To, I was a, a prep cook. I cook, I like cut chicken breasts in half for minimum wage for about two months. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, it's it's just. You have to rebuild. It's sad, but you kind of have to rebuild a self-esteem right. with coming out of prison. Because like, they take it all from Because those guards, I don't know. And again, I'm not trying to talk bad, but a, a lot. Let me not say all, because there were some really yeah, cool yeah, guards. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But there's a lot of guards that um, you kind of feel like they maybe they don't get any respect at home. So they, they're going to they come and get... They got picked on in high school, <laughs> yeah. and this was their way of getting <laughs> exactly. back. Exactly. That's, that's so true. That's a better way to put it. So true. And, 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 and you can tell when it's a guy, but you can tell really bad when it's a girl. Yeah. And she's just working this job to get back at everybody that picked on her. And, and, and then they treat you the way some of them treat you. You get out and you don't, you kind of, you've learned to accept that treatment because yeah. you can't do anything back to that treatment. You just have to accept it while you're in there. And the, you know, our guys in the parole office, when they're sitting there and the parole officers, they basically adult babysit through fear. 
Yeah. That's so don't do this or I'm going to send you back to prison. That's, and that's what it is. And then they, then they don't want to do anything because mm-hmm. they don't want to get sent back to prison. And uh, I, I just think there's a lot of... Anyway, man, it's... Listen, it's been a privilege. Tell us again where people can find you on social media. There, you have a website. Uh, what services do you offer here at, uh, at Second Chance Fitness? Yeah, for sure. Um, again, it's... My name is Sean Surface. Um, I'm on Facebook as Sean, S-H-A-W-N, last name Surface, S-E-R-F-A-S-S. And then on Instagram as Sean, S-H-A-W-N, Second Chance. And um, really, I'm really excited about being on this podcast and learning kind of what you have going on because I think it's something that I, I want to be involved with. Yeah. Um, we are, we just got asked to be on, and I'll wrap this up, we'll make it quick. We just got asked to be on the board of directors for a nonprofit called The Next Foundation. Nice. Um, and it's for young men, 16 to 21 um, it's more of a diversity type, type thing that so to help them kind of like get through school, kind of figure out if you're going to go to college, tech school, or go right into a job. But just kind of that's an age, 16 to 21, where kids aren't f- sometimes not fully mature at right. 18 years old. They've been no. playing video games. They don't to realize, oh, wow, now it's time for real life. Yep. So this foundation is pretty cool. It started that's by awesome. um, an Arlington police officer named Robert Walsh who got us involved in um, he's been really great. So what do you, what do you offer here at the, at the gym? What do you offer? So the gym is just, uh, we do high intensity interval training. So it's, um, 30 minute sessions. We use weights, cardio. We, uh, dive in real big on nutrition, uh, meal plans. And, um, it's just a, it's kind of an all around program where you don't yeah. have to pay a hundred dollars an hour with a personal trainer, right, but you right. still get the same kind yeah. of benefits. So cool. It is. All right. So, uh, you have a website, uh, we also, it's FBBC underscore Mansfield, and that's on Instagram. Okay. And then you can also search Mansfield Fit Body Boot Camp on Facebook. We don't do too much. We, pretty much everything we do is through social media. Okay, cool. So it's, um, well, listen, if you're looking to get back in shape, uh, there's no better teacher. I, I feel like I get more out of everything I, I, I sign up for to learn from. I get more out of it if I know the person teaching me has been through uh, some of what they're t- trying to trying to take me through. Yeah, like and that. so um, uh, maybe we'll maybe maybe Sean will let us post this picture when we promote the his his uh, episode of him uh, almost three hundred pounds, and then and then next to what you see now, and you you can understand that that uh, that he's he's not only teaching it, he's lived it, and uh, and and he's is, he's maintaining it, and um, he's got some good ink too. I don't know how much of the ink is. Uh, Behind the behind the walls or out of here, it. all of it's 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 all coffee and soot. Every bit. Oh <laughs> man, that's great. And it's pretty. You take my. It's covered. He's, he's sleeved out up on top. Yeah. He's not sleeved out totally on his arms. He's come down to his elbows. But the whole but, chest, shoulders. But, is all right. Yeah. Okay. Well. Well, man, Sean, it's been a pleasure. Absolutely, it has been fun, and uh, I can't wait to to get you know to know you more. Yeah, for uh, sure. We've known each other through social media, and now we're, we're brothers in Christ. And, Amen. And uh, and so I can't can't get wait to maybe come up here and do a. Do a, do a workout. And I'm going to check back in with you guys and let you know how he did. <laughs> we'll have you back on one day to yeah, talk right. about some more stuff. And, and you can let him know how, how you beat me. All right, man. It's been a pleasure. You take cool. care. Absolutely. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me. Okay, before we wrap this episode up, I just want to say a few things. First, no matter how many chances you've had, God is willing to give you another one. Second, listen to your grandma. She's got some great things to say. Seriously, if you're out there living wild and... Like I did, and you were—you just happened to hear this episode. Somebody told you to listen to it. There are people in your life that are speaking things over you and to you that you really need to listen to and apply to your life. It can save you a lot of trouble, 
and a lot of heartache and a lot of money. And don't be afraid to use the gifts God has given you to help others. Sean, you know, really saw it as a gift in himself to help others when he began to get in, in his own physical body and shape. And so what are your gifts? You know, mine, I love to talk. It's a gift, so I speak whenever I get the chance. Lastly, guard your heart and mind. Don't purposely put yourself in positions that allow you to compromise easily. Put guardrails up in your life. Get mentors to help you get back up if you do fall. Listen, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Background Check. We hope you've enjoyed the show and Sean's story. Follow him on Instagram and follow us on Facebook, all the social media platforms. Get in touch with us for any reason. If you need help, contact us. If you know someone who needs some help, connect us uh, with them and, and we'll do what we can. And we'll see you on the next Background Check. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Background Check Podcast, brought to you by Forgiven Felons, helping people with a past realize their future. For more information, please visit ForgivenFelons.org. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and please don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss the latest episode. I'm J.D. Gum, and this has been Background Check.